If you have something that is valuable, but you neglect it, or you don't take care of it and it wastes away or starts to fail or starts to rust, depending on what it is, it's almost completely pointless to have it. It loses its value. If you have a nice car, but you don't change the oil ever and you don't put gas in it and it just sits there and the tires go flat and it gets all rusty underneath, it's kind of pointless that you went and bought the nice car to begin with. The same thing is true for, in a sense, a Christian congregation. Paul rejoices to hear about the church in Colossae from his fellow pastor, Epaphras. Epaphras was a Colossian, and he had planted the church, and he comes and tells Paul about it, and Paul is very excited to hear that the gospel has sprouted in Colossae. And it is true that the very existence of the thing, it has value. Just like the nice new car, it has value in and of itself. The very existence of the church that has been planted, that has been started, is reason for joy and for prayer. And think about how amazing it is that a church even exists. Think about how amazing it is that this church exists. Think about all the ministry that has happened here over the last 50 years or so. All the saints who have made it to paradise because of what was preached here, of the gifts that were administered here. Think about all the saints who have been baptized out of that font. Whether it was here or on Winchester Road, think about all who have been confirmed in this church, have confirmed their faith in the Lord. It is wonderful. It is joyful. It is a great gift that this very place exists And we should be thankful for that. But something that has that much value, you don't let it just kind of exist casually. And you don't just neglect it or let it waste away. That's why the church, for instance, here, that's why we have elders and we have council and we have committees. And we have people who fix things when they break and we raise money for different projects and so on and so forth. At least that's part of what we do here. But when Paul hears about that church in Colossae, it's a new church, it's an exciting church, it's a valuable church. But they don't just leave it to their own devices. Paul wants to encourage the work that's going on in Colossae. He doesn't think of evangelism as getting someone baptized and getting someone confirmed and then just leaving them to their own devices. The work that Paul describes at the church of Colossae, what Paul writes to them in the book of Colossians, it's about keeping them going. It's about looking ahead. It's about the future. It's about encouraging what they have and strengthening them in the faith. He doesn't want to just plant the church and then walk away from it. He doesn't want Epaphras to just plant the church and then, okay, good, now the church is planted. We can just leave it there and it'll kind of run on its own or something like that, that 
We can just expect it to keep going. But Paul wants, the reason he writes the book that ends up in the New Testament, the book of Colossians, it's a book of encouragement. It's a book to keep going, a book of thinking about the future. And so what does Paul do here in Colossians 1, verses 9 to 14? What he does here is he, first of all, says a prayer for them. This is part of the kind of introduction of the book. He says a prayer for them, and then he gives them a blessing. And we could go on to look at what he does in the rest of the book, how he warns them against certain temptations. But the first thing that he does is he prays for them and he blesses them. And so if you want to think about the future of the church, if you want to think about where the church is going and how the church is going to continue more than just existing. And if we don't want the church to just sit and kind of waste away on its own, these are two good things to consider. Paul's prayer for Colossae and his blessing for the Colossians. So let's look at those two things in turn. First of all, the prayer. He says, we have not ceased to pray for you since we heard of your existence. From the day that Epaphras told us, we have not ceased to pray for you. And what is the first thing that he prays for? That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in spiritual wisdom and understanding. Wisdom and understanding. And the Bible wisdom is not just data. It's not just knowledge. It's not just information. Wisdom is what you do with information. What do you do when you have the true knowledge? What do you do when you have true data, if you will? What do you do with it? How do you make decisions for the good of the people? How do you make decisions for the good of the church? Wisdom is insight. It's the ability to, and sometimes think outside the box. It's the ability to make good decisions, wise decisions, based on the knowledge you have and based on God's will. And notice when he talks about this wisdom, it's not just purely worldly wisdom or physical wisdom. We might say scientific wisdom, but it's spiritual wisdom. And so it's the question of how to apply knowledge, the knowledge of God, the knowledge of his will, Paul says, to the spirit in your life. Discerning what teaching is and isn't of the Spirit. The Spirit giving you insight into your life of faith. It's spiritual wisdom. And why does he want you to have the spiritual wisdom and the spiritual understanding? He says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. The idea behind having spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding is that it would change the way that you live. When Paul goes on in the rest of the book of the Colossians to warn against different things that the Colossians might run into as they're living their life, their spiritual life in the church, 
He warns against a couple different things. He warns against vain philosophies. For the Colossians, that would probably be things like Gnosticism of the time. For us today, the vain philosophies of our time are things like secularism in general. Coming along with that, transhumanism, we talked about that a little bit in Bible study. Egalitarianism. But the idea is that instead of going after those vain philosophies, being tempted by those vain philosophies, we should imitate the Lord, like we talked about last week, and walk in the way, in the manner that he designed the world to work in. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Paul also goes on to warn against legalism, those who would teach that God saves you because of something you did or because of how good you are, something that you earn for yourself. But that's not walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. The manner worthy of the Lord is to recognize the grace that he gives you and receive it as a good gift. He goes on also to warn against carnality or debaucherous living. That you could live however you wanted, worshiping the gods of sexual immorality and of mammon, and still be part of the church. But Paul prays for them in this prayer, and I pray for you, that being part of this church and having the valuable gift of the Spirit and spiritual wisdom and understanding that you would walk, that it would change your life, Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And this is, as Paul says in his prayer, fully pleasing to him. And it actually is. Yes, it is, of course, true that we can never please God perfectly. God is very upset whenever we sin against him. And God doesn't need us to please him. He doesn't need us to please him, to save you. But the Lord is pleased when you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. He is pleased when you use the spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding that he gives you by the knowledge of his will and by the spirit working in your heart. He is pleased by your good works. He is pleased by his saints. He is pleased when the gospel spreads and when churches are planted and when churches continue in the knowledge and the understanding that they've been given. He is pleased by prayer, the prayer that Paul prays here and the prayers that you pray. He is pleased when your life is not centered around vain philosophies or legalism or carnality, but around spiritual wisdom and understanding. So walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And he goes on. This is his prayer for the Colossians. Bearing fruit in every good work. A good tree bears good fruit. Fruit is a natural thing. It's not something that you need to artificially go and manufacture. Manufactured fruit, wax fruit, it does not tastes good when the kid picks up the wax fruit off the coffee table and thinks it's real fruit and he takes a bite of it, he is sorely mistaken. Fruit is something that is supposed to be natural, not artificially 
manufactured. God doesn't need you to go and find yourself good works. He has prepared the fruit already for you. He has grafted you in as a living plant to Christ, who is the vine. And you are the branches. And when you stay connected to him, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, gaining spiritual wisdom, living a life pleasing to him, you will bear good fruit. God will put neighbors in front of you who you will love. He has put you into vocations like being a parent, like being a child, like being a church member or a husband or a wife or a worker. And he gives you duties in those vocations. In his word, he gives you guidance in those callings. He gives you people to love and jobs that you can love with. He gives you the Ten Commandments to guide you in the love of God and the love of your neighbor. So it's something you should expect to have good fruit coming out of your life. Not to make sure that you're really a Christian and not to please God, to convince him to save you. But good fruit is still good. It is pleasing. And then finally, his prayer wraps up like this, increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul wants you to increase in the knowledge. Now, that's the last thing in his prayer, but it really is the foundation of everything that came before. Because before you can get the wisdom of how you're going to use the knowledge of God, before you can get the understanding of making decisions using the knowledge of God, you have to first increase in the knowledge of God. And what's the knowledge of God? The knowledge of God is his word. The knowledge of God is what he teaches you. And so increase in the knowledge of God means to hear his word. It means to study his word. So come to Bible study, come to church, do the at-home prayer in your bulletin. These are the things to do, some of the things, to increase in the knowledge of God, to increase in his word. And as you increase in his word, the spirit in you will take that knowledge, will take that word, that knowledge of his will. And the spirit will then give you wisdom and understanding so that you can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord that's fully pleasing to him. And that life will then bear good fruit in every good work. Notice how all these things work together. And that's Paul's prayer for the Colossians. That's his prayer that they would continue to increase and grow in this way. We can summarize all of that by saying his prayer is that they would be sanctified, that they would grow and continue to be made holy, more and more close, more and more like the Lord their God. But then he follows that prayer up with a blessing. He prays for them first and then he actually does something real for them. He blesses them. Not that the prayer is not real, 
but the blessing is more directly to them. The prayer is to God about them. The blessing is directly to them. And he says, may you now be strengthened with all the power according to his glorious might. You see, some of the things Paul prayed for, when you hear them, they sound difficult. It takes work to increase in the knowledge of God. Sometimes we look at our lives and we don't see the fruit that we think we should, the good fruits bearing in repentance. We look at walking in a manner worthy of the Lord and we ask ourselves, how could I ever do that? Some of these things sound difficult. If we think about the future of the church, maybe not our church specifically, but if you look at the statistics of the LCMS at large, for instance, we ask ourselves, how is it ever going to continue? How is it not going to waste away at this point? What's Paul's blessing? May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. You see, the thing about the sanctified life that Paul prays for the Colossians to have, that I pray for this church to have, that we should all pray for the church at large to have, is that you're not doing it alone. It's the Spirit working in you. And our God is, look at how Paul says this, glorious in his might. He is made powerful in your weaknesses. And so may you be strengthened by his might. Doesn't matter how much weight you can lift, what numbers you can put up on the bench press. It's his might that matters, not yours. May you be strengthened in his might. And for what? For endurance and patience with joy. When sufferings and hardships come, which you know that they will, you have had them in your life, you know what they are, you will need the strength to endure and patiently wait with joy. For we know that God is working out all things together for the good of those who love him. But sometimes we need strength to wait for that to happen. Sometimes it takes time for us to see how God is working something out for our good. Sometimes maybe we won't even see it in our lifetimes. When that suffering keeps lingering on and on and on, we need endurance. We need the strength, but let's put it this way, we also need the cardio. We need to be able to keep going. And so the Lord gives us both. And even in our sufferings themselves, Paul says it this way, we can rejoice in those. The sufferings themselves in this way can be a blessing. Because what do the sufferings do? They train us up for that endurance. Suffering produces endurance and endurance character and character hope. And that hope does not put us to shame. And so we can have joy in our sufferings, for we know that God has graciously given them to us. And that's part of the blessing, strengthened with the glorious power of his might for endurance and patience with joy. And finally, Paul blesses them 
this way. He kind of starts at the end and then goes back to the beginning with the Colossians in this passage. He reminds them why they are blessed at all to begin with. He reminds them why are they valuable to begin with. He reminds them why he rejoiced when Epaphras first told Paul about them existing. Why is it valuable that a church exists? What gives a church value? What gives you value in your life at all? You are blessed ultimately for this reason. You are qualified, Paul says, to share in the inheritance of light by the redemption that you have in Christ. We have said a few times what doesn't save you, the good works don't save you, the legalism can't save you, pleasing God can't save you. But what does save you? What is the value of the Colossian church? What is the value of this church or any church? It is that Christ has given you his redemption. That from the blood that Jesus shed on the cross by his birth, by his life, by his death, by his resurrection and ascension, and by the faith that you have in that work that Jesus did and in his person, who is both God and man, that he has delivered you from the domain of darkness and put you, transferred you into the kingdom of his beloved son, into this kingdom. Into this church. And in this kingdom, you have redemption. In him, you have the forgiveness of sins. And you are called a saint in light. You have the inheritance of Christ, which is everlasting life. That is who you are. And that makes you valuable. So valuable that God is going to then live with you forever. So valuable that God puts his spirit in your heart. So valuable that even though you deserve death, he gives you life. You are qualified. You are made right. And so be blessed by that today. Above all, be blessed by that. Be encouraged by that. Be strengthened by that, knowing who you are. And knowing who you are in Christ, this is, we can kind of just keep going in a circle here if we want. Knowing who you are in Christ, then walk with him. Don't neglect the gift that you've been given. And know that as for Paul with the Colossians, you have not ceased in my prayers and you are blessed today. To God the Father, to his Son, Jesus Christ, and to the Holy Spirit be all honor and glory now and forever. Amen.